these tithes and these offerings, that you would multiply them, oh God. And Father, we also lift up Stevens Point Christian Academy. God, we are so thankful for all that you are doing. We thank you, Father God, for the the huge technology grant. We thank you for the staff and the many ways, God, that you have blessed our school. We ask, God, that you would continue to plant seeds in the hearts of every person that you have called to place their children at Stevens Point Christian Academy. God, that there's a way that when they look at their finances and they think, how can I afford Christian education? God, we thank you that you put within them and instill in each and every person that you've called that there's no way that they cannot because with you, all things are possible. So we thank you, God, for your great provision for every person that you are desiring to have enroll at SPCA, God. In Jesus' name, amen.
under your cross this morning. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat and hear this week's announcements. Hi, everybody. I'm Pastor Deb. It's great to have you here today. Listen up because we have some really exciting announcements for you to hear. Today is day seven of Fresh Start, formerly known as the Daniel Fast. You can check out lots of resources online if you're participating at gnfchurch.net slash fast. The name change of refuge is right around the corner. We have some great ways for you to get involved. We're currently working on videos that we'll use to promote refuge. So you can let us know if you'd like to get involved by telling us a story about how God has been a refuge in your life. Visit us at the Welcome Center after service to get more information. The official name of refuge won't go into effect until Sunday, January 25th, when we have a relaunch service. You won't want to miss it. This is going to be an opportunity where you can learn more about the vision and where we're going and be part of the story. We hope to see you there. Today, we're continuing our series we are refuge and we're going to learn more what it means to be a refuge today pastor matt is going to bring us a sermon called we are real it's going to be great if you're on facebook instagram or twitter you can use hashtag we are real to promote the series you can also listen to today's message and all our past messages online for free that's it for the announcements if you want to learn more about these events or other things going on, check us out on the website at gnfchurch.net. You can also check us out on Facebook. We're updating it daily. I'd like to welcome any first-time visitors. It's great to have you here. If you are a visitor, you can see in the seat pocket in front of you, we have a GNFC info packet. There's a card in there. We'd like you to fill it out and bring it to the Welcome Center where we have a free gift for you. All right, it's community time. That's one of my favorite times. This is where we walk around and we greet people. You say hi to unfamiliar faces. And if you're an introvert, like some people in the room, it's okay, you can just stay in your seat. You don't have to do anything. We'll give you a few minutes. Children, you can be dismissed now. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the rest of the service. We've got a long way to go, but we got the energy. Took a little while to find reality. We've come a long way, you know. Living inside a dream. Waking to find that we are kings and queens. Lights off. Sometimes this feels like sleeping with the lights off.
What is brave? What is real? What is hope? This journey called life can be a difficult one. Full of surprises and full of heartache. Where do we find comfort? Where do we seek truth? The answers are not always easy to find, but the solution is always worth the fight. It is this journey that defines and molds us. It shapes us into the person we are. The life of Jesus is what inspires us. The hope and freedom he provides is what drives us. Our destination has been set, and we have the strength to arrive. We will not give up, and we will not turn back. The reality of this call requires one another, a mosaic of people with one goal, to show people Jesus. We are fearless at heart because we know our God. We have vision to disciple and a heart to love. We persevere when times get tough. Because of Jesus, we are brave. We are real. We are hope. How are you doing today? Yeah, a little better weather this week, so that's great. And the Packers are playing at noon, so I promise I'll get you out in time so you can get home and get the chips and settle down for the game. Well, it's great to be here, and I, I'm excited about this series. I'm excited about what God's doing this year. I believe that 2015 is going to be a great adventure for us as individuals as well as a church. I believe there's going to be great opportunities, and uh, sadly to say there'll be some great challenges, but we'll overcome those challenges because of the God that we're connected with, amen? I believe that this year is a year mark for greatness, and so just deposit that thought in your mind, and I believe that uh, we're going to 
uh, move forward with uh, faith, move forward with a, a desire to draw closer to God and connect with his purpose and plan. Because I believe that's essential with what is coming into the earth. And uh, these are the last days, aren't they? And I believe that we can be strong, we can be victorious, and we can be effective to impact the lives of those we come in contact with. And in this community, we as a church want to be relevant. We want to be relational. We want to be, in a sense, radical, in a sense of getting into places that need to be reached for the gospel that have not been reached. And I believe this month, what we're doing, actually, uh, in this month series, there's three primary areas that we're focusing on. Uh, casting the vision for refuge, because we are going through this whole name change deal. And that's, that's an interesting thing. I've never done that before. I've been the pastor here now. Uh, I'm actually the founding pastor of the church uh, for now going on 31 years. And we've had the same name. We've been comfortable with that. But we have felt that God has directed us to make a change and adopt a name that's going to bring a new dynamic in how we are as a church and a ministry to the community. And that's an exciting thing, but yet it's also challenging. And so we will help to define the vision, the mission statement. You're going to hear all that this month. In fact, refuge is actually defined as a condition of being safe or sheltered from pursuit, from danger, or from trouble. In fact, it also, refuge is also defined as a protective shelter that provides a safe place to receive help in time of need. And really, that's what the church needs to be, a safe place. How many of you, when you go to the doctor, they'll ask you this question? And I can remember the first time I, I heard that question. You know what the question is? Yes. Do you feel safe at home? I thought, well, that's an interesting question. I never really thought about it. But yes, I do feel safe at home. But we believe that refuge is a place where people can feel safe. And we'll help to define that this month so you have a greater understanding of that. Because what is this going to look like to a community? What's it going to look like to us? Uh, we encourage you to make sure you're here on the 25th. It's going to be an amazing service. And that's when we're going to actually reveal the mission statement and the vision statement for all of you to, to have. And, and the second component we're doing this month is discovering God's plan for refuge and, and realize it's a plan that includes you. And, and we ask the question, what's in it for me? Now, you might think, well, that's selfish. But really, there is a place for you. There is a part for you. And we want you to discover that. We want you to find your place in the vision and, and serve God's purpose. It's going to require that we be real. And that's the message we're talking about today. We are real. What, what is that all about? See, I believe that it's important that we come to a place where we take off the facades, where we remove the fakiness, and we be genuine, we be real with people. Because we have real issues, and no one's perfect. I, I haven't arrived, have you? No, none of us have. And so we need to come to that place of being real with people, being real with God. And, and so we're going to talk about that today. And, and a third component this month that we're going to learn is really making God your refuge. I really want that to become a revelation to you. How do you make God your refuge? What is that all about? We need to discover what that means. We need to discover how that's going to impact our life and, and the lives of others, our households, our families, our marriages. And so uh, today we're going to uh, 
pray. I, I want to pray before I begin uh, this message. I gave you the introduction so I can pray. But we want to lift up Lori Martineau and her family. Uh, her mother passed away yesterday. Uh, and we just want to join our faith and stand with the family. Uh, losing a loved one is a difficult thing. Uh, about three or four weeks ago, she had made a decision to give her heart to Jesus Christ. And so we have an assurance and confidence of knowing where she is. We believe she's with Jesus. And so uh, we are uh, going to just join our faith on her behalf and the family. Father, we do thank you today for this opportunity to come before you to receive the word. And we thank you, Father, for Lori and Rick Martineau. We thank you, Father, for the ministry of the Spirit of God that ministers comfort to them during this time of the loss of Mary. Father, we know that Mary is with you according to the promise of your word. Father, we pray for her husband, family, and relatives and friends, Lord, that you administer comfort and strength to them as they grieve over her loss. In Jesus' name, we give you praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. And for those of you that may not know, she uh, recently, about a week or so ago, she had a heart attack, and she was recovering uh, quite well, but she had a relapse, and uh, they were uh, med uh, flying her to Green Bay, uh, and uh, she passed away on the way. Uh, they were not able to resuscitate her. She had a, another heart attack. So uh, we are just believing God for continual strength for the family. All right. Well, last week we talked about we are brave. And that you can, as my wife so wonderfully shared in the announcements this morning, you can check that out online if you weren't here. And I encourage you to do that. I believe it will inspire you and bless you. But today we're talking about we are real. And there's two primary points I want to share right from the start with this message. So if, you, if you're a note taker, feel free to write this down. The first point, what is real is what matters to most people. What is real is what matters to most people. And with that statement, if you really think about it, uh, that's a statement of truth because you don't want to discover that you've been living your life based on a lie. You want to know what's real. You want to know what's genuine. And, and the second statement is we want to make Jesus real to this world by how we live our lives. We want to make Jesus real to this world by how we live our lives. And I, I really believe for every believer that should become a conviction to us. Not just a good idea, not just a good thought, but that should be something that motivates us to live our lives in a way to really show them Jesus. Because Jesus is the only one that can save a lost person or somebody that doesn't have a relationship with Christ. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. No other world religion can bring the dynamic of true salvation into the heart of a human being other than Jesus. He is our Savior. He is our Lord and King. The scripture for today we find in 1 John 3.16. And, and most of you, when you think of John 3.16, it's not 1 John 3.16, it's the John 3.16, where for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How many of you have heard that verse before? Yeah, it's, it's the most well-known verse of the Bible. Most people have at least at one time or another heard John 3.16. 
But for this morning, we're looking at 1 John. That's, we call that little John. That's towards the end of the New Testament where we see 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. But in 1st John chapter 3, verse 16, it reads this way out of the New Living Translation. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Let me make this statement. We cannot be real until we know real love. See, fake or superficial Christians have not really had a true encounter with God. When I read this passage and I see we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. He gave up something so we could know what real love, love is. And it's important to understand that this kind of love is unselfish and sacrificial. Real love will sacrifice. Real love will give up a preference in preferring somebody else to help meet their need. Real love will lay down your life for another person. You know, Jesus made a statement in one of the Gospels. He said, greater love has no man than this, then he should lay down his life for his friends. We see that as a great sacrifice. So that's real love. You know, and I, I can say that, especially for my family, I would give my life for them. If I had to lay down my life for them, I, I wouldn't even give it a second thought. But you know, when you understand the love of God, it, it really goes a whole lot deeper because Jesus said, greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. But Jesus took it to a whole other level when he laid down his life for his enemies, for those who despised him, for those who hated him, for those who rejected him, for those who rebelled against him. He laid down his life for them. And that's what real love is, to sacrifice yourself, to give yourself. And we ask ourselves as Christians, are we able to give ourselves for greater cause? Or are we just concerned about us because we live in such a self-centered society and culture that's all about us? But really, it's all about him and what he wants to do in us. It's all about Jesus. And see, you're going to be hearing a whole lot more about Jesus because refuge is going to really be revealing the love of Jesus and introducing Jesus to those people that have not met him. We want to reveal Jesus because Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. You know, that's, that's our focus. It's about Jesus. You know, I mean, because it's interesting how people, you know, they use words sometimes derogatory. They're upset, and they'll use different names. And we won't go into those derogatory names this morning, okay? I'll spare you that. But yet we know that if somebody's upset, what is the name they use often as a curse word? Jesus Christ, the most revered, the most precious, the most powerful name in all the universe where every knee must bow, every tongue must confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that his name is above every name that's named. And yet men have reduced it to nothing more than a curse word. What's wrong with that picture? They don't say, oh, Buddha. They don't say that, you know, it's taking the precious name of our Savior and degrading it to a word that it shouldn't be. 
All right. I, that wasn't even in my notes. Yeah. And I, I'm going to, more and more, I believe that I'm going to come to a point where I don't have to use my notes at all. I've been on a reference point here and there. Amen. All right. So what does it mean to be real? Well, let me ask you a question. Sometimes I like to, to answer a question with another question. Ever hear that? That's the methodology that sometimes gets you to think beyond just the surface. Okay, so the question to, answer, uh, to ask for this question would be, do you know what it means to be fake? If you know what it means to be fake, then you can answer the first question. Do you know what it means to be real? See, nobody likes a fake, even in our airbrush culture. We despise counterfeits. We want the real deal. We want the genuine. See, some have the mentality, I'll just fake it until I make it. We can't live by that mentality. And see, as Christians, sometimes we're just faking it. Oh, yeah, we, you know, you're arguing on the way to church, having this blowout with your spouse as soon as you step out of the vehicle. Honey, let's come into the church and everything's fine. Hey, no, it's not. It's not fine. There needs to be a reconciliation here, you know? And, and now, that's a real thing. I mean, you, you can have those blow-ups, you can have those issues, but why pretend that you are totally distanced from that, that that never happens to you? See, being real and, 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 and something that as a pastor, as a leader, and the leadership in this church, we want to be transparent before you. We don't want you to think that we're immune from any of the tests or trials that everyone else goes through. You, you can't put us up on a pedestal. We're human. We have weaknesses. Now, that doesn't give us excuses either because we still have the Word of God as our reference point, as the standard by which we live. So we can't go, you know, make excuses. We, we often make excuses. We just need to be real. Now, just being yourself, now you might say this would be a good statement, just be yourself. Yeah, well, that's really not quite good enough to just be yourself. It's being who we are in light of what Jesus has done in our life. That's what we need to be. We need to be who we are in Christ. And then we can, that's our new self, because the scripture says we put off the old self and we put on the new self, which is created in the image of the one who created us. Wow. So, uh, yeah, be yourself, be yourself in Christ. Amen? And then you're going to begin to influence and impact the people around you. Why are you trying to be someone you're not? And sometimes people are living they're trying to be somebody. They see somebody they idolize. They see somebody they say, wow, I want to be like that person. And it's great to follow someone's example, but still you have to be who you are in him. You know, sometimes I see other preachers and I say, why can't I be like them? You know? Why can't I be like Billy Graham? I see him, wow, how he ministers the word. Well, I'm not a Billy Graham. I'm Matt Malik. And I need to go with how God designed me to be because, you know, it's interesting because I, I scratch my head. I wonder, sometimes people have come up to me and said, Pastor, I don't like it when you have guest ministers. 
I said, why? Because I'd just like to hear you. Really? Well, I love the guest ministers. You know, I mean, because it brings another perspective. It gives me a break, you know. But, um, but I, that, that baffles my mind. Well, you know, why limit yourself to just wanting to hear one person, you know? I'm not the only voice out there, okay? And, and I don't want to pretend that you have to just listen to me. Because more and more in this year, you're going to see more people standing in this pulpit. It's not going to be me all the time. You're going to see some younger people. You know, when I first began this church in 1984, I was only 26 years old. I was a young guy. I, I was shocked that after the first service, people came back. <laughs> Who wants to listen to this young kid? I mean, and I was nervous. Why was I nervous? I think, you know, hmm, well, we won't, let's not dwell there, okay? <laughs> now, you can't try being a Christian without an encounter with Jesus. And see, that's, I think that's a problem in the church. People are trying to be a Christian, and they have really not had a true, genuine encounter with Christ. They have a mental uh, affirmation of things. They know what they need to do, but it hasn't gone from their head to their heart because there has to be that heartfelt experience. There has to be that revelation, that encounter with God that grips you at the heart, the core of your being. Because that's where transformation begins, not in your head. Now, the head is important. That has to be renewed. I, I didn't mean I'm crazy here. <laughs> it needs to be renewed to the Word of God so that our thinking can be reconditioned to the truth that is in the Bible that we find in the Word of God because Jesus said, my Word is truth. Okay? That can change us. That can transform our thinking. Because sometimes it's your stinking thinking that has you in the problem that you're in right now, okay? Now, so Christianity is not something you just try. Well, I went to the Buddhist church. I don't know what they even call it. Well, I went to this, I went to this, I went to all these places. But I'm going to try Christianity. Let's see how this works. No, you don't try it. It's not something you try. It's something you encounter, something you experience from the heart. Now, how many of you heard the word of, called authenticity? Authenticity. Authenticity is an amazing word because it's, it's, it's when you, it, it comes from authentic, something that's real, something that's genuine. How can, be, how can we be real? How can we be authentic? See, there's a reality that the world doesn't comprehend. I want the real deal not from the world system, but the real deal from heaven, from God's perspective, because that's what's really going to encounter the hearts of people. I, I want to share, and, and my son Daniel is going to come up here in like about 30 seconds, maybe 45 seconds, and he's going to share with us a little bit about an example of being real, how that affects his life, how that affects the church. But there's one example in the Bible I'm going to really quickly share this. We find in Philippians 2.20, it's an example of Timothy. And the Apostle Paul is speaking about Timothy. He says, I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. He had a genuine heart. He had a genuine concern and care for others. He was genuine. He was real. He was authentic. Okay? Timothy is an amazing man in the Bible that we read about. In 2 Timothy 1.5, Paul 
said in reference to him, I remember your genuine faith. He was real. He, had, he was a real deal. You had around Timothy. I, I like Timothy. You know, he's not this, got this mask on, this facade. He's not speak, speaking one thing to your face and something else behind your back. Come on up here, Daniel. This is my oldest son, and I'm, I'm so blessed to see him going after God. I mean, he is a blessing, an inspiration. His red hair, don't let that throw you. He is our son. Amen. Yeah, gingers don't have souls, so uh, <laughs> I'm probably not even saved. Just kidding. Um, so when my dad asked me today to talk about what is real, uh, I thought about it a little bit because it's an interesting subject for me. Um, many of you know, but many of you may not know, I grew up in the church. So uh, I've been in the church all my life. I did move around a little bit, but I'm here now again, and uh, I will be here at least for a little while longer. And so um, growing up in the church gives you a unique perspective, and I'm sure we have several people in here who have grown up in the church. Um, and for me, it's part of my testimony and I'm not going to go into full detail or anything, but when I was about 17 years old, um, probably 16, 17 years old, I really began to question uh, what I believed. And I, I realized that the God that my dad was always talking about, the God that we were always in church worshiping, uh, that God was not real to me, you know. I spent 17 years of my life in church hearing about miracles, hearing about people getting up in wheelchairs, hearing about people um, who were, uh, you know, blind, getting healed, all this stuff. And I never saw that once, that whole 17 years. Never once did I see someone who was paralyzed get up and walk. Never once did I see anything like that. And so for me, that is, that's what I was looking for for the reality of God was, you know, God, if you're real, then why didn't that person get healed when uh, they were prayed over? God, if you're real, then why did that person leave blind? So for me, it was a really um, hard thing. And so I got to a point, like I said, when I was around 16 or 17 years old, where I decided, you know what, I, I just don't believe this. I don't believe in God because there you have this religion over here that is worshiping this God, and they believe in their God so much that they'll die. Like, they'll literally die for him willingly and kill other people in the process. You know, there's many other religions in this world that people are devoted to. And so I was, I was so perplexed, and I was so confused. And me and my dad had a lot of conversations, a lot of arguments, um, and so, but the thing I was always looking for, I wanted, I wanted God to be real so bad. And the thing I was always looking for was a miracle. I was looking and I was saying, God, if, if, show me today. Every morning I wake up, God, show me today that you're real. You know, heal that person in the wheelchair. Heal that person who's getting prayed for in church today. Every day I would ask God that. But, you know, what I came to realize um, at a youth conference that I didn't want to go to, but... The pastor's kid is forced to go to every church event, so I was there. Um, and what I experienced at this youth conference, looking around, you know, thinking about uh, miracles, thinking about that kind of stuff, is we were at this youth conference, and thousands of, of young people were there, and they were all 
encountering God. They were all worshiping God. And I was looking around that room, and I was seeing people who were going up to the altar, kneeling down, giving their lives. And I was thinking, if, if all these people are gathered here, if, if, if they're willing to come and get real and say, you know what, I'm not a perfect person. I don't have it all together, and I need Jesus. And not only do they do that, but then once they do that, Jesus comes into their lives and says, okay, it's not going to be easy, but I'm going to take away the drug addiction. Okay, it's not going to be easy, but I'm going to take away the pornography. That's a miracle. That's the miracle that was always in front of my face every single week at church that I never opened my eyes to. And that's the reality of this uh, call for all of us as believers. You know, yes, miracles will happen. Yes, uh, that kind of stuff is something that God does. But the most common miracle that we so often push aside and, and don't give enough credibility to is the people whose lives get transformed because of Jesus. And that's what happened to me at that service. And it's been a process. I still am a skeptic, you know? I say, prove it to me. And so, thankfully, uh, Bruce Veneta is in my life, and I've told him before, Bruce, you are one of the reasons I believe in God, uh, because that is not scientifically possible what happened to him. And if you want to know what happened to him, then talk to him after church. Um, but I say all this just to say, you know, through that whole process of God making himself real to me, I decided that I don't want to live a fake Christianity. You know, I don't want to live a Christianity. If, if I'm going to, if I'm going to start this, if I'm going to go on this journey, then I want to be real with people. And so that's, that's part of my reality is it, I do constantly have to step out in faith and say, you know what, God, I don't get it all, but you know, I'm for you because I see the change in my wife's life. I see the change in my brother's life. I see the change in my friend's life and I see the change in my life. And it's, it's, that's the reality of what we're about, is being real, being honest with each other, and being honest with the other people in our lives who maybe haven't had that miracle, and saying, you know what, let's, let's work on this together. You're not going to figure it all out just like that. The reality of Christianity is, you know what, we sometimes pretend like once you get saved, all your problems go away. All your problems don't go away. I mean, if, if anything, you might get more problems. The difference is you have someone in your life, a God, who knows everything you're dealing with, knows everything you're going through, and that's real. So. Well, that's my boy. <laughs> yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. Becoming real. I want to talk about that for just a couple moments. It's more than just talk. It's living it out. It's, you know, it, it's, it's not enough just to say we're real. It's, it's got to it's gotta come to the place where people can see that we're real. Because people, I believe, especially our young generation, they can spot a fake a mile away. There's just a discernment. And I believe because... You know, even our generation, Daniel, that's something in, the, in this generation, they're looking for what's real. They're wanting to identify with what's real. And there's been so much hypocrisy in the church, and, and yet we have to take a certain amount of responsibility for that, because we can speak of the church universally, 
but also individually, what is our responsibility? Because you know, look at you look at churches, and they will keep record of how many people that make conversions or that they bring to Christ in a year's time, or they keep track of that. But they never take into account or keep record of how many they've driven away from Christ. And see, we have to take responsibility. Are we drawing people to God or driving them away from Him because of certain things of how we're acting if we're not living real? Okay? Now, I believe that there needs to be more authentic faith that people can see in our lives. Do you agree with that? Because the world is watching. They're, they're observing, what are we doing? And even with this transition, I'm sure the community, okay, they're, they're changing the name, what's going on there? And we will have curiosity seekers come in and say, okay, what's this all about? Well, I trust that they're going to encounter the reality of a loving God and a Savior that we're presenting, that we're revealing and making known. Amen? I believe that real Christianity is a supernatural walk with a supernatural God who speaks to us, who encounters our life, who reveals our purpose, his plan, our destiny. He's a real God, and we can encounter him. It's a personal relationship. You can know him. It's not just knowing about him, but it's knowing him. So we, we need to keep it real. We need to keep it authentic. Uh, you know, there are counterfeits. There are copies, but we want to stay away from that. We don't want something that's false. We want what's real. Have you heard the term get real? We need to just get real. You know, and that's really, I believe, a part where we need to accept the truth and not deceive ourselves. That's what it really means to get real. You need to know what the truth is. And you don't live in this deceptive lie. Don't live in this pretense or pretense that everything's okay when really it's not. Now, do we have to be strong for others? Yes, we do. But there's a part of us where we need to be vulnerable. We need to be accountable and say, hey, I, I just need you to pray for me. I'm, I'm just going through uh, some challenges right now to rally people around you, to walk you through those difficult times. And see, part of it, I think, is a pride that keeps us from letting people into our life to walk us through the challenges that we're facing. If you're struggling in this church, and, and you might say, well, I, I, I don't have anybody that can share this struggle with, then something's wrong. Something's wrong. And in, in my office doors are open to anybody in this body, and so is Pastor Debs, to meet with you. If you're challenged with something and you need victory, we can come alongside and join our faith with you. Are we going to broadcast it to everyone else? No. But we're going to stand with you and walk you through to find the victory that you need. Some battles you can't win on your own. You need other brothers and sisters to stand with you to walk you through and bring you to the place of victory. Wow. See, Jesus was the real deal. We see in Matthew 7, 29. I love this verse. For he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. See, even the people of his day could say, Wow, this is, no one has spoken like him. The religious leaders would get up there, they would have their boring, long, drawn-out teachings. But Jesus just spoke with authority. He spoke with a passion. He spoke 
in such a way that engaged the hearts of the people. Where, you know, they were just drawn to him because they saw that he was real. Now, it's interesting. There's a little story in Acts 12, 29. Uh, Peter was uh, arrested. He was put in prison. And he had, like, guards all around him. He was in chains. And the whole church was praying. They were praying and fasting for Peter's release. And an angel shows up in that prison cell and unlocks, the the feathers fall off of his feet. He gets up, the gate actually opens before him. He walks out. And then the gate's closed behind him and he walks out and he's totally free. And in Acts 12, 9, where we see the story kind of wrapping up, it says, so he went out and followed him. He's following this angel and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. See, Peter, he didn't even know this is real. God has actually delivered me. He set me free from a sentence of death because I'm, I'm to be executed the next morning, and now I've been released. He didn't even know that was real, but freedom is real. Jesus can set you free, and you can experience the reality of that. Some people have to discover the reality of your freedom in Christ. To be real, now this is kind of a little pun on words, play on words. To be real, you have to realize, okay? You have to come into realization of something, okay? Because the words real, really, realize, they're all kind of connected. So what do we have to come to realize? Well, Colossians 3.3 says, for if you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. We need to come to that realization that we died to Christ. I mean, we died to this life. Oh, no, we, you know, we don't die to Christ again. Uh, correction there. Okay. We died to this natural life, the old life, and we find our real life is hidden with Christ in God. Real life is in Christ with God. In 2 Timothy 3.16, we see where The scripture reads, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. So this word, the scriptures scriptures will help us to realize what's right and what's wrong and what needs to change in your life. So as you begin to go through the scriptures, you'll see things, oh, oh, God, that's wrong in my life. Oh, God, this is right in my life. And you begin to discover, and you allow the word of God to work its work in you to bring about transformation. Now, it's important in reaching others that we need to be a real friend, to be a real friend to other people. How many of you had friends that were not real? Friends that were fair-weather friends. Friends that really weren't there when you needed them to be. But to be a real friend, we see that superficial friends aren't really friends at all. But in Proverbs 18, 24, it says there are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend, a real friend sticks closer than a brother. And see, we want to be a real friend to people so that we can build relationships and bring people into a relationship with Jesus Christ because of what they see in us. In Proverbs 27, 19, it says, as a face is reflected in the water, so the heart affects or reflects the real person. 
So your heart will reflect who, who you really are. And that's what we want. We want to reflect who Jesus is because if Jesus lives in our heart and he's reflected towards others, then people will see Jesus in us. At this time, I'm going to have Kristen come up and, and she's going to share of what being real is to her and, and, and how she's experienced that in her own life. And um, we appreciate this young lady. She's a dynamic woman of God going after everything that Jesus has for her. Thank you, Bishop. So when Bishop asked me to share with you um, what it was like to be real, I thought of um, my experience in this congregation. Um, see, unlike Daniel, I wasn't raised in the church. Um, I didn't believe in God, um, and I only came to believe in God because my life fell spectacularly apart, and I ended up living at um, Destiny Point. Um, God wasn't going to give up on me, so he delivered me there. Um, and I think probably most of you know what Destiny Point is. It's one of the ministries that this church supports. It's a home for women who have reached a point where they can no longer live the way that they were, and really the only thing that can save them is God. So it was there at Destiny Point that I started to come to know God, um, and he had to really break down some um, notions that I had about what Christianity was all about. See, the handful of times that I had gone to church um, when I wasn't a Christian, it felt like I was entering into like an alien culture. Um, the way that the people related to one another, uh, the rituals, the sermons, everything was just intangible to me. I couldn't relate and nobody would make the effort to relate to me. So in a way, I kind of almost felt rejected. And what do rejected people do? They turn the tables. And so I just kind of like used all of my like powers of reason to dismiss um, people's proclamations of faith, if that makes any sense. So that was kind of where I was coming from. Um, and it was here in this body that I started seeing a different kind of faith, a genuine faith, an honest, open transparency that I had never seen before. And the first time that I ever heard a Christian talk about God that really challenged my way of thinking was Bruce Vanetta's testimony. Um, yeah, you guys, if you don't know what happened to him, check him out. Um, Sweet Bread Ministries, look it up. What God did in his life was absolutely amazing. But what impacted me was not so much his story, because I had heard other stories of miracles. I had heard, like, I mean, just countless stories of these really amazing things. But what was different was his delivery. He was just telling you what happened. He wasn't delivering some, like, biblical theology and, you know, making himself out to be, like, super righteous and um, special. Like, he was, he was just a guy, and God did this really amazing thing in his life, and it was really real, and I believed him. And he, he, 
he was honest about his past and the ways that he had failed God and the ways, the challenges that he faced. And I could relate to him and I could believe him because he was totally transparent. Um, when I was living at Destiny Point, Miss Julie was another um, strongly influential person. I remember driving in the car with her and I would say, hey, can we stop and get a cup of coffee? And she'd look at me and she'd say, let me pray about it, I'll get back to you. And I was like, what? Who needs to pray to decide whether they're gonna stop for a cup of coffee? But over time, I realized that it's not that she has to pray, it's her privilege to pray because God cares about every little, everything that we care about. So if she had sat me down and said, you know, and you know, gave me a sermon about our rights and privileges as believers, it would have meant nothing to me. But she allowed me into her life and she shared her faith with me in a way that was really um, personal. And in that way, she bypassed all of the intellectual and emotional strongholds that like had built up into like this callous shell around my heart. So that is what a real church is to me. That's what a real Christian is to me, is someone whose faith and love for God is just so solid that there's no need for pretense. There's no need for Christianese. There's no need for um, any kind of agenda other than to just share the experience that they've had with God. And um, that's what is really going to change a culture. That's what's really going to get people to come to church because everybody needs to feel valued. Everyone needs to feel that they belong. And that's that's when people are going to realize who they are in Christ. And so in that way, God's done amazing things in this congregation, and I'm really looking forward to the next couple of years and what he's going to do. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, and I, I can very clearly remember the first day that Kristen came to church and she was sitting right over there. The whole service and I thought, oh Lord. I, I didn't even want to look at her because I felt intimidated by looking at her. You know? <laughs> but to see what God has done. Oh, it's so tremendous. Thank you, congregation, for being real so that she could have that example to see real Christians in action. Appreciate that so much. That means so much. I want to bring this service to a close. In a, a, a few minutes, we're going to pray. But I want to give you a couple of scriptures because I want to challenge you with a couple of things uh, before we close and bring this to a point of decision for us as believers. What is real is genuine. We see in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, this is a challenge to all of us. It says, examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. 
See, there's a test here. You know, we don't think of that, but there's a test that we have to pass. And that's a test. Is your faith genuine? Is it real or is it a fake? Is it a facade? In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, it says, The purpose of my instruction is that all believers will be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. Wow. And I have to agree with Apostle Paul with this verse right here. The purpose of my instruction, and even being up here today, is that you as all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a real faith, a genuine faith. Now, there are those of you here that maybe you haven't ever really encountered the, the, the love of God in a way that has impacted your life. And you may think, well, why have I been left out? Why, have, why has God overlooked me? Well, he hasn't overlooked you. He hasn't bypassed you. I believe you are here strategically today because God wants to encounter you with his love. He wants to reveal himself to you. Or maybe you've drifted away from God and, and, and you're here right now and you're feeling the Spirit of God pulling on you and saying, come back. I have more for you than what you have realized. In 1 Timothy 1.16, we see a very powerful verse that has to do with this reality. But God had mercy on me, the Apostle Paul is speaking, so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. What's the Apostle Paul saying? He, he said, I was such a wretched sinner. I was so opposed to Jesus. I was going in the total opposite direction. I was responsible for having Christians arrested and put to death. I, of all people, have no right to even be saved. I'm the worst of sinners. But yet he said, I'm an example. Because if, a, if God can save me, the worst of sinners, then he could certainly save you. He can certainly redeem you. His love can certainly be something that you receive and experience to bring a transforming work in your life. I want to close with this verse. Actually, I have two more because 1 John 4, 10, and then we're going to pray, but I have two more verses. It says, this is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. You want to know what real love is? It's defined right there in that passage. Why don't you keep it up there for a moment? This is real love. You might, it's not based on your love for God, but it's based on his love for you. Because he sent his son. That love was such a sacrificial love that required and caused him to sacrifice his son for us. 
so that you could receive him. I'm going to save the other verse for next week. I think we're going to end with that passage right there. And at at this time, I, I want everyone to just bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to examine yourself as we read in the previous verse. And examine yourself and asking the question, is my faith genuine? Do I really have the real deal? Or am I just trying to play a religious game? Am am I trying to just put on this facade that I'm a Christian, I've got it all together? Or are there issues in my life that I need to take into account? Are there changes that I need to consider making? But yet you might think, how can I make these changes? Because I don't want to fail again. I don't want to disappoint God. I don't want to end up on this dead-end street. Well, he is there to help you through to make those changes so that you can break through into the place that God wants you to be with a genuine faith that's real, that's dynamic, that's invigorating, a faith that is inspiring to others, a faith that causes others to be drawn to the God in you so that they can experience what you have. Do people really want what you have in your life? Is it genuine? We want God to examine our hearts and just take a moment and and ask the Lord, Lord, I subject myself to this examination. Reveal to me areas in my life that are not real, that are not genuine, and help me get real with you. Help me be honest with you. And then maybe you're here today And you've never really made a personal commitment of your life to Jesus. You really don't know what this Christianity thing is all about. You see it more as a religion. But it's not a religion. It's a relationship. It's a relationship where you can encounter Jesus Christ because he is alive and well and he's revealing himself to the hearts of men and women and children. Even in this generation. Even today. If you're here today and you say, You know, I don't know if I were to die today, if if my life is right. I don't know that I'd go to heaven. I don't know that I really have made my peace with God. But I want to make my peace with God. I want to receive what Jesus has done for me. I want to receive forgiveness for my sins. I want to receive the gift of eternal life. I want to enter into this relationship with Jesus, to know him that's you this morning lift your hand and say would you pray for me pastor I'm ready to turn my life over to Jesus I'm ready to encounter his love I'm I'm ready to receive what only he can give me is there anyone this morning I want you to stand together and we're going to pray a prayer And this prayer will be a prayer, I believe, that will challenge our hearts. For those of us that are already connected to Jesus, it's going to only reinforce that connection and make it stronger. But for those of us that have not, or for those of you that may not have connected with him, this is your moment to really connect with Jesus and and receive what he wants to give to you. Bow your heads and let's pray. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. I open my heart to you. I make myself vulnerable. 
And I invite you to come and make yourself known. Make yourself real to me. Forgive me for living falsely, for being fake. I want to be real. And that starts with being real with you. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Become my Lord and my Savior. I turn my life over to you. Thank you for the sacrifice you made for me. For dying on the cross, I receive forgiveness of sins. And I receive the gift of eternal life. Make my life what you want it to be, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, if you meant that sincerely, then turn to somebody and just look at them and, say, and, and maybe shake their hand and say, I meant that. I meant that. I meant that. I wasn't just speaking the words the pastor was saying. I meant that. That's real to me. And now let God do a work in you. He wants to. We're going to invite the prayer team to the front because I believe there's individuals out there that you need to take another step, a bolder step, and come to the front and receive prayer. You may, you may sense just this disconnect in your heart and, and you need to really get connected with the Lord. Or maybe you have need of prayer in your life. Maybe you want somebody to agree and join their faith with you. Well, this prayer team will be here to do just that, to stand with you, to pray with you, to believe with you. We're here to, to join our faith with you and take a stand. Thank you, Father. And then, Father, we do thank you for the service today, and I thank you for the hearts of the people that have been touched by your presence. Heavenly Father, we welcome you to more and more take control of our lives, to more and more invade our thinking, to invade, Father, our being with yourself. Lord Jesus, we want to encounter your love. We want to experience what you have for us. In Jesus' name, I pray your blessing over this congregation that every man, every woman, every young person would come into a greater realization of your great love for them. Father, help us as a church to be real. Help us as a church to engage, Father, even this culture today with the reality of your love and help to introduce and bring others into a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. And everyone in agreement says amen. Amen. Before I release you this morning, I want to encourage you, if you can make it for early morning prayer, we meet from 5 to 8 a.m. at the uh, chapel in the training center, Stevensburg Christian Academy. You're welcome to join us. And then Tuesday night at 6, from 6 to 7, we, have, we had a powerful prayer service this past week. We want you to come, if you can, to pray. And then also... Um, before services, one hour before service, you can join us for special prayer times. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much for coming. Those desiring prayer, make your way to the front. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Enjoy the Packer game. God bless you. <laughs>